Hi, I'm Jeff Zanilotti. I'm the creator, writer, and artist of Accidental Renegades on Kickstarter now. Uh, you can find me at Z Comics Original on Facebook and Instagram and Z Comics Original on Twitter and at ZComicsOriginal.com. And you're watching Two Geeks Talking. Good morning, afternoon, evening, everyone. Two Geeks Talking is an entertainment industry interview show where we interview the creative people from the comic, film, TV, movie, and video game industries. And of course, I'm your host, Kurt Sasso. Welcome to Rapid Fire. The concept of Rapid Fire is simple. 11 questions, 9 to 15 minutes for the interview itself, and we get to talk with creative and talented people in the entertainment industry. So who is our first guest today? Our guest today is a very talented mangaka slash comic creator and writer. We are joined today by the creator of Accidental Renegades, Jeff Zainlotti. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Good having you on the show. For those that don't know anything about yourself as a creative person, tell us who you are and what you're bringing to Two Geeks Talking. All right. Well, I'm uh, Jeff Zanilotti. I'm the founder of Zed Comics Original, and I'm the creator, uh, writer, and artist of Accidental Renegades. Um, I'm basically an indie comics guy that doesn't necessarily do indie comics for a living, but lives to do indie comics. Looking at Accidental Renegade, what is the, the concept of Accidental Renegade? From what I've seen, the drawing and the, the story looks pretty amazing. I love the video on your Kickstarter campaign as well, too. And we'll, we'll talk about that as well. But what was the initial spark that drove your creation of Accidental Renegades? Well, Accidental Renegades actually has been something I've been working on for quite a while. Um, but I think really kind of the impetus for, for putting it all together came in 2020 with the pandemic. I had spent a lot of time arguing with people online and getting into fights with you know, closed-minded individuals about what was going on in the world. And it was really starting to, to affect um, not only my, my happiness, but also my productivity. And I made the promise to myself that instead of doing that, I was going to take that energy and invest it into something creative. And that's sort of where Accidental Renegades was born. It, it essentially became a vehicle for my voice at a lot of the frustrations I feel, but told in a, in a fictitious world uh, with characters that I or anyone else I think can relate to. So has it helped you from a, a mental health perspective slash comic creative perspective? I think so. Yeah. I, I do sometimes have to remind myself, especially with social media being what it is, um, not to take the bait and enter into arguments with people. Um, but I'm doing that and my productivity has increased. My happiness has increased. And, and, and frankly, my creativity, I think, has been sparked uh, by putting the time and energy into actually being creative. So what's your creative kryptonite? Uh, honestly, it's probably my phone. I'm not much of a gamer. Um, I do tend to wander off into internet rabbit holes where I'll, you know, go on to update Instagram, and two hours later, I end up being an expert on like 18th century metallurgy or something. Um, if I can keep my phone away from me, I tend to be much more productive because a simple, just going to check my messages, an hour later turns into something completely different. Now, looking at your Kickstarter campaign, the usually when uh, someone runs a Kickstarter campaign, it is it is literally a second job or sometimes a third if you already have a a career as well too what have you learned when you started this to where you currently are with this campaign that maybe you'd want to improve on in the future well there's a couple things um first and foremost is my kickstarter is my first kickstarter campaign is way too long um i took the maximum amount of time because i'm the type of person that tends to do discovery learning as i go through and get better at things through the process uh, what I come to found out was that I didn't need to do that. I probably could have succeeded just as much with a shorter Kickstarter, um, was able to fund the, the project within about 11 days. And now the rest of the time has just been working towards stretch goals. 
The flip side of that is that this means I have more time that I have to actively manage the Kickstarter. And it also, I think, kind of increases some of the lull that you naturally go through in the middle of the Kickstarter. So with my second one, I'm definitely going to shrink it down to a more manageable time. But I think that was just the virtue of not knowing what I didn't know with my first Kickstarter. So that was one lesson. Uh, the second would probably be uh, the way I designed some of my tiers. I actually had the most expensive tier was to have you or your logo kind of drawn into the comic book. Uh, the way the, the first issue story goes, there's a lot of crowd scenes. There's a lot of group scenes. So a lot of opportunities to put backers actually in the book. That turned out to be much more popular than I thought. And at one point I got concerned because I had to, you know, create an alien world with what would have been a bunch of, you know, middle-aged looking white guys. So I kind of, you know, scale that back and, and put a, a deadline on that tier. So that tier ended as of uh, August 1st. And on that tier alone, the book would have funded about 98%. So it was a very successful tier, probably more successful than I thought it would be. And in the future, I will definitely do a tier like that, but I'll, I'll have a, a timeline on it from the start so as to make it a little bit more manageable. So those are two things I learned from the first Kickstarter. I'm really happy that it funded. That's a lot of load off. Um, I get to tell the story I want to tell without worrying about that. But, you know, I do still have to, you know, spend about another three weeks managing a Kickstarter. And that that is a time-consuming process. So how has the social media response been to not only the campaign, but to your, your comic and manga? So far, it's, it's been largely positive. And one thing that I can definitely say is more so than I think a lot of other communities that have been a part of the independent comic community has been extremely helpful, extremely positive. I think, you know, if you find the right group of people to surround yourself with, they're going to lift you up rather than try to drag you down. And I've been fortunate in that. I've had a lot of other creators, some of whom, you know, you've had on your show who have been very helpful in the process, not only to give me advice, but also to give me attention, to give me money, to give me their, their, you know, sharing the project with their fans. So, you know, the sort of thing that you can't put a price on, but has been just absolutely invaluable. Now I have to ask who, who were some of the people that, that helped? Uh, Luis, uh, Luis from, from Dimock has been, has been very, very helpful. Um, you know, can't thank him enough. He's, he's a very established creator. So his advice and his help was, was pretty useful. And I'm sure there are others that I'm forgetting. So I don't want to, I don't want to run a list, right? Cause you run a list and you leave someone off. Now you've made an enemy, but <laughs> I know you've had him on your show and he's definitely been an advocate for what I'm doing. So, you know, I appreciate that. What was an early experience where you learned that language had power? I've been kind of a voracious reader for most of my life. Um, I really can remember getting the, the bug to, to read and to, to learn as much as I could, probably in high school. I, I think I've been fortunate. I had a couple of teachers that really inspired that in me. I can remember specifically reading two works by Kurt Vonnegut Jr., uh, Slaughterhouse-Five and Welcome to the Monkey House, that I think really kind of told me what language can do to a person's emotions, to a person's motivations. The way those books not only challenged my way of thinking, but also entertained me, you know, had me searching out more information to learn what they were talking about and to give me a perspective that I did not have uh, probably was one of the first times that, that I really understood the impact that a well-written story can have on the reader. I keep those two books on my shelf, you know, kind of as an inspiration to remind me of what can be done with words in the hands of someone who's, who's using them properly. And I think those two books probably more than any at that point in my life, definitely had an impact on me. Everyone usually asks, what's the most wisest piece of advice you've received or what's the most bullshit piece of advice you've ever received? <laughs> what is the second wisest piece of advice that you've ever received that has stuck with you in your career? The second wisest piece of advice I've ever received actually wasn't advice I directly received, but it's advice that I had read. And it was an interview with, with one of the Kuberts and he was talking about a panel that he drew for an issue of, um, of X-Men, I believe. 
And for whatever reason, the panel didn't fit and the editors had them had him not use it. What he had mentioned was instead of being discouraged by that, he just basically put that you know, in a long box and was able to use it later. Because if you're telling a story and you don't tell it the way you want, rather than getting discouraged, a good rule is to know that you'll have a chance to tell it again. If you're in this for the long haul, you're going to be telling story after story after story. I know with my first self-published book that I did, there's a couple of pages in there that I'm just, I'm not happy with. I look back on it and I know I can do better. But the great thing is now I have opportunities to continue to do better. So probably the second greatest piece of advice I was ever given is there's no mistake. If you don't do it right that time, just do it better the second time. And that's something I've kind of taken now that I'm working on my second book. When you tell someone that you're a manga creator, what is the most misunderstood aspect about telling them your profession? It's funny because I grew up in the time that reading comic books, being a, a fan of comic books, wasn't really cool. You kind of had to do it quietly, had to do it secretly. You'd have to go to 7-Elevens at night when there was no chance of running into your friends and pick them up from the newsstands or the spinner racks back when those things were, were fairly common. And that's, that's what I did. I can clearly remember my friends seeing me with comic books and making up an excuse that they were for a party or something. And that was not that long ago. Now, you know, when I tell people I'm doing my own comics, I'm a comic writer, I'm a comics artist, I don't think they necessarily understand it 100%, but I think there's a level of appreciation there that the forefathers probably would have killed for, you know, the, the comics predecessors would have killed for that level of appreciation. I think the biggest misunderstanding is manga is comics just in a different culture. When people hear manga, I think they think of something that is extremely just crazy. And that's not necessarily what I do. But I think that when people hear that you do manga or you do comics, once they understand what that is, there's a level of appreciation for it that is pretty much unprecedented. And, and it's been great to have people support it who normally I think probably would have not even asked any questions. What is the social stigma that society needs to just get over? A social stigma that society needs to get over. Okay. I might alienate people with this, but I'll say it. there's no such thing as woke. Okay. Wokeism doesn't exist. Wokeism is just someone who has a different opinion than you have. And I see a lot of people, particularly in the independence comics community, who are bemoaning the, the death of, of comics because of wokeism. And like anything else, it can be taken to an extreme. And there are cases where that happens and, and people do get a little over the top with it. But the comics that, that we love today only exist because woke artists and woke authors came up with those ideas 20, 30, 40 years ago. And if you really study comics and you, you look at everything from the comics code to, you know, the, the death of horror comics to the, you know, black and gay and lesbian and female characters, those at the time were considered revolutionary and people at that time hated them too. So the stuff that people consider woke isn't necessarily woke. It probably isn't woke. It's just something that is different from what they expect a comic to look like and it questions their level of sensibilities and that's frustrating and and it can be frustrating but that doesn't mean that the comics community that the comics industry is going down the toilet because they're no longer telling good stories comics have always told good stories they've always pushed the envelope to do that and that has always made some people uncomfortable so I hate the term woke because I don't know what it means. It just seems to mean that someone believes in something differently than you do. And that that's not woke. That's that's called being a human being in, in you know the 20th the, the 20th century. Like or the, the 2000s. That's that's being a human being. So, I don't know. That that would probably be it. Everyone has one person that inspired them on their path to where they are today. Who is that for you? Uh, you know, as cliché as it might sound, I'm going to say my wife. You know, she's always been incredibly supportive and, and comics can be a very solitary occupation. You spend a lot of time alone, a lot of time hunched over a table. 
there's not a lot of socializing that really can happen in, in, you know, creating comics. And it can be a drain on those people that are close to you because it does take away a lot of your time. You know, she could have been frustrated. She, you know, she could have pushed back on it, but she's been hundred percent supportive. She's been my biggest cheerleader, my biggest advocate. And that level of support inspires me to, to make it worthwhile. She has probably been as far as someone who inspires me to, to live up to the expectations. She would probably be the one that's at the top. From a professional standpoint, you have created a comic book manga. You have a successful Kickstarter campaign. You also are working on issue two of the series. So from a professional standpoint, you are successful in that regard. Do you consider yourself personally successful? I think, I think so. I mean, I, I don't want to ever be comp, you know, um, complacent. I don't want to be too happy with where I'm at. Cause I feel like that, that kind of, um, prevents you from growing to, to where you can be. But I would say personally, I do feel, you know, like I'm successful. I mean, I self-published a book. I'm, you know, successfully crowdfunding a second. I have a, a job that I like. I have a family that's happy and healthy. You know, I have it better than a lot of people. And I'm definitely fortunate for that. So I'm definitely, you know, considering myself successful. I'm definitely happy with where I'm at. But at the same time, I don't feel like I've reached the level I want to reach. And I'm going to continue to work until I do. So yes, I consider myself personally successful, but I don't consider myself that I've reached the goal just yet. The reverse of success is failure. How do you deal with your failures? Through sheer stubbornness. I think the easiest way to deal with the failures is not to view them as failures. I see them as, as opportunities to grow. I look at them as moments to get better. And I also look at them as successes compared to where I was, you know, two, three years ago. I think it was Thomas Edison who said, I've never failed. I've just found 10,000 ways not to do something. And I kind of like to take that advice. I, I don't want to say that I'm failing, but I'm just finding 10,000 ways that that panel or that page just isn't going to work. And in that way, if you kind of couch it like that, it's not necessarily a failure. It's just a very, very, very tiny success. As long as you're not stealing from Tesla, you're all good. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, historically, yeah. <laughs> the younger generation is looking at your work and they're becoming inspired to be creative in their own way. And the fact that you have the younger generation and they're looking at your work as a comic creator and becoming inspired to be creative in whatever way, shape or form they may be creative in uh, is wonderful to see. How can they inspire the generation that follows them? I mean, there's a lot of different ways and I think it's kind of different for everyone, but I think if you were to just to give it an overarching theme, it would be to set the right example, you know, push the envelope creatively, challenge yourself to, to do something that no one's ever seen or to do something in a way that no one's ever seen. I think that would definitely help to, to kind of inspire the next generation, uh, support other creatives. Like I said, it's, it's a small community and everyone will work for each other and help each other out if they know that, that it's a two-way street. So support other creative people because not only will it give you a good professional reputation, but it will also, I think, help your skills develop a little bit more quickly. Um, be a good person because, again, there's a lot of negativity. It's a small world and you know a lot of negative um, problems kind of float to the surface if you let them. So you know, be a good person and surround yourself with good people. And I, I think you'll, you'll probably end up being able to, to get this, you know, this crazy independent comic world where it needs to be in the future. Well, I do hate to say it, but that ends this particular episode of Two Geeks Talking. I want to thank you so much for coming on the show. I want to thank you for having me. This has been great. Before I let you go, where can we find you? How can we support you? And where can we find your Kickstarter campaign and social media and all of those wonderful things that we deal with on the internet? Okay. Well, first off the Kickstarter, it's uh, it's live right now. It's uh, Accidental Renegades. So if you just look up Accidental Renegades on Kickstarter, you'll find it. Um, we're at about 157% funded right now. So making some great progress, looking to hit that second stretch goal. So if you like stickers, 
make sure you support the book. Um, we're kind of hitting that that lull that every Kickstarter seems to have. So anyone who wants to, to get us out of that hole, you will certainly be appreciated and you'll get a great book uh, in the process. As far as social media, um, just remember Zed Comics Original, Zed Comics Original on Instagram, Zed Comics Original on Facebook, uh, the letter Z Comics Original on Twitter, and the website is zedcomicsoriginal.com where you can find a copy of my previous book, you can find some fan art, you can find a lot of um, creator-owned characters and individual unique art that I've put together. So if you remember Zed Comics Original, you'll be able to find me on most, if not all, the socials. And if you remember Accidental Renegades, you'll get your hands on a really awesome manga-inspired book that I think you'll love. Well, like I said, that ends this particular episode of Two Geeks Talk. You can, of course, find this interview and a thousand plus others on our website, tgtmedia.com or twogeekstalking.com. That's the word to not the number two. And, of course, on our YouTube channel, which is a lot more updated than our website, which is youtube.com forward slash c forward slash tgtmedia. And, of course, our Patreon is available for those that wish to support this show uh, since we're on our 15th year already which is patreon.com forward slash TGT media. And as I say every week, everyone has a story to tell. It's up to me to help bring that out. Thanks for listening and watching on Two Geeks Talking.